So we have the saying, it's so quiet you can hear a pin drop. You compare the quiet to a noise, now you have a better picture of how quiet it was. This is how important contrast is. Hello, and welcome to You Are a Storyteller. In this episode, Brian and Jesse discuss why contrast is so crucial in telling a clear story. When you tell stories with intention, there's no need for confusing characters or overcomplicated plot twists. Instead, simple, straightforward contrast allows your audience to invest in and learn from your story. This program is produced in Seattle, Washington by Belief Agency. There's a couple of things that might seem kind of insignificant. You know, you get older and you're like, God, I didn't know how profound that was. It was such a small thing. And then later on, you realize like, wow, that really is, that's the whole game. Like if somebody says like, you know, love is the whole point or something. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then later on, you think about it, you're like, you know, you, whatever, you're 60, you're finally getting old enough. And you're like, right. yeah, well, I didn't realize how profound that was. Yeah. There's some of those things that are like that for story that you taught me that I always come back to, and they seem so small and insignificant, but man, once you start looking, first thing is you got to learn how to see it, which is right. huge. That is right. A, um, it's a, which is massive. It's a step that people want to skip, by the way. Right. Just tell me how to do it. Just tell me how to do it. Right. Yep. yep exactly. It, yeah. I, for instance, I have a friend coming over uh, later on this week and I'm just going to be showing some clips because I, I, I was like, once you see this, it'll help you. Like you've got to see it in action. And then so once you can start to see it on like a, the, you know, the screen or in text form, then all of a sudden you can see it over dinner. Then all of a sudden you can go from seeing to applying. Right. Anyways, one of those concepts is contrast, and it sounds like a really simple thing. Um, and so on this week's episode, though, hang with us, because once you understand the importance of contrast and why stories need them, it will immediately make your writing or your storytelling or your filming better. Can we start with this thing you told me? It was, I mean, this was years ago. You talked about silhouettes, and you were talking about it from the standpoint of animation. Mm-hmm. Um, can you Can you explain why why silhouettes were so important yeah and it's funny because i i got uh accused of of oh you really like silhouettes you know and and uh i think people thought it was a taste thing you know this person thought it was a, a taste thing but it wasn't taste um silhouettes um in in animation it's not just animation though any any kind of illustration or where you're communicating visually like that um, when you have a character, like I would have a hard time when I was working with comic book artists, sometimes they would have a character punching and they, they, they would do it like this, right? Like, and I go, if you move that arm out, right. And, and by this, just so everybody who's listening, oh, you have right. your fist right in the middle right of at the, the camera, right? So yeah. Yeah. Um, but if you bend the arm out so that you can see the shape of the arm, you can see the fist, you can, it creates a clearer image. It's not mm-hmm. muddy. Um, yeah, it communicates better. Um, uh, it just, um, you know, it's an old principle and animators know it and, and good illustrators know it. Um, it really helps communicate and that's your job. I don't know why people forget that's the job, uh, yep. but it, but it is. And so, um, real quick. Okay. Don't miss what Brian just said. He just said the job is communicating. If you, uh, for, that's like a step one principle. Your job is not to wow people. Your job is not to, I don't know, shock people. First and foremost, your job is to communicate. 
right? And something like contrast is going to help you do that. I don't know. That's just such a great call out. I didn't want anybody to miss that. Sure. I think that, uh, yeah, silhouettes, you know, and I, I take pictures and I try to get silhouettes. I try to, because I'm trying to, it's, it's in some ways, it allows you to eliminate everything else and still communicate. Mm. And I'm always trying to get to that place of simplicity where I can eliminate everything but X. I can eliminate yep. everything but Y. Um, because if you only have that one thing, that one idea, you're going to communicate it much more clearly. Um, if you have one idea, but kind of another one and half of another one, now it's all muddy and nobody knows what you're saying. Yeah. So, you know? so you showed me this thing, Brian, what was the thing called you showed me? It was all the silhouettes of the Disney characters. And so you were like, look at the silhouettes and, and you're like, well, who's that? And I was like, well, that's goofy. Yeah. You can't see it. It's just a, it's just an outline of a, of a, it's a shape. Yeah. And I'm like, that's goofy. That's Minnie. That's Mickey. That's Donald. And you're like, see how you can identify them purely mm -hmm. from their silhouette. It, it, what is there a name for that or, or was that just a common uh it's pretty common i'm sure i mean they talk about it in terms of silhouettes i don't know if there's another name for that but um character designers often use it like they know their character has to be identifiable by that silhouette um yep. so they'll think in those terms um uh yeah most good illustrators will have some idea of that um, sometimes it might be intuitive, um, but most good illustrators have some idea of a silhouette and how strong. Yeah. It is. Well, so, so I think one of the things you, you were talking about then too, is you were like, people see through contrast. Yes. You, they see through contrast. If you don't create enough contrast, it's impossible for people to see it. Yeah. So like if I put all the Avengers in silhouette and you can't tell the difference between the Hulk and Captain America, I didn't do a good job. Right. There's a lot of times I'll be watching a movie and I'll turn to Kate or whoever I'm watching with and I'll be like, wait, so is that his girlfriend or is that his wife? Yeah. I can't tell the difference between the characters. That, right. Or there's this one actress specifically where I'm like, I don't, there's another actress who's just like her. And I'm always like, was she the one that was in that or was that? I yeah. couldn't, I couldn't differentiate. It's very easy to differentiate David from Goliath. Right. It's very hard to differentiate if you're like, it's David and Dad. David. Oh, you didn't notice that that other David had a mole on his pinky? It's like, no, nobody noticed. You have yeah. to create contrast if you want people to see what you're either talking about or looking mm -hmm. at. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Yes. So, you know, like a penny only looks small next to a dollar. Right. But if exactly. you put a penny next to a pin, like the tip of a pin, the penny would look big. Without that contrast, it's impossible for people to see. And people don't understand that that tool is biologically built into us. So if you're not creating stories that have that leverage contrast, you're not communicating as clearly as you can. Yeah. There's a book called how pictures work. Yeah. It's great. Yep. Yeah. It's a really great book by Molly bang. It's a really great book. I don't know how many copies of this book I've sold by talking. About <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but it's, it is, it's a really great book. You know, it's one of those things that looks simple, but it's a pretty complicated, well thought out book. And uh, she's the first person when i read her book and she said contrast is how we see that's so good i yeah I, I i was like i knew that from writing and all of that but i never put it like that it was just so simple again precise right it's simple yep and um and that's true contrast is how we see 
So, uh, and she was talking about, you know, uh, drawings, but it's, it's true in general. Of course. Um, yep. You know? um, and shout out to her for people have to understand how hard it is. The fact she could crystallize that into a sentence like that, understand how difficult that is to do. Yeah. And she deserves to sell as many books as possible. When you can, when you can crystallize something like that, understand how hard that was. It's amazing. Cause I bought the book when you told me to buy it and I'm reading it and I'm like, this is, it, it, it feels like nothing. Yeah. It's so brilliant. It's, it's deceptively clear, which is perfect. Yep. Right. You could give it to anybody and they would get it. But at the same time, the more you think about it, you're like, wow, talk about threading the needle on yeah. a piece of content. And it's deep. It doesn't go away. You read it. And it doesn't go away. It's always in there. Yeah. So, <laughs> so play it out. Right. It's yeah. like, you go like, okay, well, I mean, Literally, let's think about the big, okay, you have, you have Satan, you have Jesus, you have Darth Vader. Like, I'm just saying, like, think about yeah. these pairings. You have yin and yang, right? Right. Uh, contrast, it's like, like uh, Hitchcock would do this, where like all the cars would be a certain, would be white, and then the bad guy's car would be black. Why? Right. Because you had, to, he knew you had to be able to watch that car go through traffic. Yep. These are little things that sound like little things, but boy, when directors or writers or producers, whoever, when they don't understand this, all of a sudden you're going like, wait, is that their car? Or was that their car? Did they turn yeah. left or right? Does anybody know what's going on? Yeah. I, you know, it's funny because uh, there are times, you know, I'll be watching a film. I'm always, when I'm watching a film, of course, I'm watching story and all of that. But the other thing I'm watching is um, how my eye is directed. How, mm-hmm. like, so like, let's say if there's a crowd scene on the street, um, and our character is walking down the street and I go, how do I know to look at, to look at that person versus all the other people? Yeah. Um, and sometimes the way that people do it is contrast. So sometimes it's clothing choices. Like you said, yep. like maybe it's a lighter suit and everybody else is in darker stuff, but this guy has a white t-shirt or whatever. Some of it's compositional, right? You're, you're more likely to look here than there. And some of it is, um, uh, let's say you have everybody walking um, either uh, right to left past camera or yep. away from camera, but our guy's coming towards camera. It's not Think anything- of the, the opening of Road to Perdition. The entire crowd, he's going to sell newspapers. The entire crowd is walking from left to right, and he's coming into the crowd right to left. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Um, it, once you see it, you'll know, oh, got it. Like those, what it's again, trying to learn how to see. Yeah. Even if you just go watch the first 30 seconds of that movie, you'll go, got it. That's what he was trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. And if you do it right, like that's the kind of thing where you might also be saying, this is a person who goes against the crowd. This is, a yep, yep. Who, you know, like there, there are other reasons that you might do it, but one of the reasons is to make it clear. This is who you're supposed to be paying attention to. Um, yep. And you do that through contrast. Um yeah, it's uh, how do you know when somebody succeeded? Usually by seeing someone fail. Um, or seeing that person fail more than one. You know, there's there's a thing I show uh, from the movie Kramer versus Kramer uh, when I talk about visual storytelling. And I show two of the scenes, but there's actually three. Um, and I should be showing the third one, but I, anyway. But the, so in that movie, um, by the way, somebody uh, saw the movie. They hadn't seen it and they saw it and they were like, it was online and they were like, 
I saw that movie finally. What a terrible movie. It's like, oh, you don't know what you're looking at. Like it, you might not oh, like they it. They said that about Kramer versus Kramer. Yeah. It's like you might not like it, but you literally you don't know what you're looking at because yeah. it's so well crafted that they couldn't see it. It was invisible to them. There's some beautiful, beautiful work in there in terms of oh yeah, like gorgeous. So in that movie, Dustin Hoffman plays a guy whose wife, played by Meryl Streep, has left him at the beginning of the movie. And she leaves him with their young son, who's, I guess, about five years old. And Dustin Hoffman's character doesn't spend any time with his son, doesn't know how to deal with his son. He, like, mostly works, and his wife stayed home and took care of the kid. So now he's, like, he finds himself having to do that. And so this is the first day uh, where, you know, he wakes up in the morning, and his son has to get ready for school and everything. And it's like, Oh yeah. And he doesn't even know the mom has left the son. So he's got to tell all oh, the mommy went away for a little while, whatever. Anyway. So he's trying to make breakfast for his son and it's awful the way he, he can't do it. He can't, he can't do it at all. Like you see him trying to make French toast and he's terrible at it. Everything goes wrong. It's awful. Later on in the movie, uh, they have a routine worked out. So he, he's not making breakfast the way his wife would have done it, but they have a routine with the cereal and the thing, and it's very calm. And it's actually very nice. It's very visual. Yep. Um, and it tells you where they are in their relationship. But the very last time uh, at the end of the movie, uh, so the, it's gone. It's, you're now you're all the way at the... See, the, here's another thing, and this is also contrast. In most stories, in many stories anyway, a story is circular, right? It starts someplace. It, the character goes on this journey. You come back around to the beginning, but this this time something's different. Mm -hmm. You're back around to the beginning, and this time it's different because of what happened in the middle, right? So yep. you go back to the David Lean's a great guy for people to watch if they want to see it done really well. Yeah. So you go back to uh, him making breakfast for his son, making French toast, and this time it's perfect. Yeah. And there's no stress about it. Like, it's perfect. And you see the, the journey through this making of breakfast. Um, and you're comparing the first time you saw it to the last time you saw it. And you're comparing. So you're seeing the contrast. And um, sometimes that stuff is noticed by an audience. And sometimes it's just felt by an audience. Yeah. Right. So much has happened. They may not recall all the details. But they feel it. But that contrast is what allows, that's communication, right? What, what I find so often is that um, people don't understand that in order to show me this person is good at what they do, you need to either show me somebody bad at what, that thing or show me them getting better at it. Um, yep. They don't understand that and they don't do it. And so they, they miss an opportunity to have me respond to the contrast to go, Oh, wow. Look how much better she is at that than she was before or whatever. Yep. Um, yeah. It's unbelievably important. That's why you see, again, that's why you have the tortoise in the hair, right? Cause yep, that's contrast, that's right. right. Yep. It'll like, work forever. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Oh, one's fast, one's slow. I get it. Right. You're not trying to be clever. You're trying to communicate that. Yeah, that's why you got Mary clever. Poppins and Mr. Banks. That's right. why you got, I don't know, 
Roger Rabbit and Eddie. That's why you got, I don't like whatever Tom and Jerry, like add them up. Yeah. Right. Well, one of the cool things in, um, in Jaws among many cool things in Jaws is that the sheriff, um, is scared of the water. Doesn't want to be on this boat. And he's on this boat with two seasoned sailors who deal with sharks and they're used to it. And so that contrast heightens his fear. Mm, right. Yep. Yeah. Like these guys are so confident. And I can't, you know, you, you get a different sense of his fear um, because these other guys are so confident and so comfortable with it's great. sharks or, you know, uh, being out on the ocean. He doesn't like any of those things. Um, and that contrast makes things come alive in a different way. If you don't have that contrast, it's not the same thing. God. And then the magic is, is when you have that contrast and then you bring them together. Yeah. Right. Like that scene where everybody's showing their scars, where yeah. you have these very three distinct characters. Right. It's yeah. like, you know, whatever. She broke my heart. You whatever. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's, you can tell the difference. Like if, if, if you're struggling right now with your characters and people are reading it and they're confused, one of the things you should be looking at is, is there enough contrast? Yeah. If people are asking quite when they read your script and they go like, wait, so was the mom the one that killed him or the aunt? Yeah. I wasn't clear. It's like, okay, there's something going on there. There's not enough contrast. Nobody ever said, uh, was, was it David or Goliath that got killed? It's <laughs> right. like, everybody knows it was yeah. Goliath. Like, you know, who won the race, the hair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a, a movie, uh, Serpico with Al Pacino yeah. made in the seventies and Serpico it's based on a real guy. And Serpico was a good cop in a bad police precinct. Uh, everybody was on the take, uh, taking drug money and stuff. And he wouldn't do it because he thought, well, I'm a cop. That's not what I'm supposed to do. One of the things that makes him appear clearly heroic is that he's by himself, that he's contrasted against these people. A lot of them are like, look, what, what's the big deal? Just take the money. Just, just take it and shut up. That's what we all do. Like some of them are bad guys. And some of them are, some of them are just regular dudes who are like, it's just easier to take the money. Why don't you, do, why don't you just take it? Yep. Take it shut up. Right. But he looks like a saint um, because of the comparison, because you're comparing him to, the, you know, that's again, again, that's one of those things you don't see people do. Uh, they yeah. Will just, they will just have the good cop or have the bad cop without giving you any contrast. Oh man. And in that scene, lament, he sets up that scene. It's in a park and they're all standing next to a one lone tree. Mm -hmm. Okay. And if you look at all the other cops, they're in like, you know, they're wearing ties and stuff. And Superco's wearing like this badass like black leather jacket. Right, yeah. He looks like the tough guy or the guy that would be on the take. And he's not right. He's the opposite of everyone else around him the entire movie. Yeah. Um, and so it's just one of those things like, God, you talk about Sidney Lumet, like watch how he's, if you haven't seen the movie, you know, at least I'm trying, I'm running it in my head. And I think that that's, that's like, watch it again and look at how he sets that stuff up. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely brilliant. Also look at how he stages. Okay. So I think I remember he's, he's centering up Serpico and he's got everybody else in a circle. Also look at how he even stages that. Yeah. Watch how he builds contrast in. It's really, really smart because they're yeah. negotiating in that scene where they're like, hey, man, we'll give you the money. You can just give it to charity. And like they're trying to, you know, and you just see he doesn't bend. Right. He doesn't ever bend. Yeah. You know, there's a uh, there's an interesting thing about Bugs Bunny. 
speaking of contrast. So Bugs Bunny has a lot of people, you know, they had a rule about Bugs Bunny, right? So that Bugs Bunny, it, it didn't start off this way. He was just a crazy, wacky rabbit. Yeah. He did all kinds of crazy things. But eventually they figured out he works best if he's minding his own business and somebody is bothering him, right? So he doesn't bother anybody until he's, bo- it's more of a heroic move, right? Like I don't bother anybody. Um, but then they come and mess with him and then, you know, all bets are off. But what's interesting about Bugs Bunny is he's got two sort of people he's always often pitted against. Elmer Fudd, right? Um, if you know Bugs Bunny, not as many people know Bugs Bunny as used to, but for those of hmm. you who do, uh, Elmer Fudd and Yosemite Sam. And if you watch the difference in how Bugs Bunny is when he's with those two people, it's really interesting. Yeah. So um, Elmer Fudd is a very slow character. So he's really, I don't know, maybe he's that. I, maybe we should, you know, he's a very slow character. And so Bugs Bunny's always very quick around him, very fast, very fast talking, very quick. Very yeah like, right um, duck season rabbit season yeah. yeah but when he's with Yosemite Sam Yosemite Sam is a very fast character so Bugs Bunny slows down God that's so smart I never noticed that that's fantastic it totally makes sense yeah he's he's building in Chuck Jones or whoever they're building the contrast in yeah that's super smart isn't it smart yeah yeah Chuck Jones was so next level. <laughs> Le- like when, even when you think about feed the kitty, which if you haven't seen also, by the way, all of these, I watch them almost every night with scout. I watch the old Looney tunes and uh, my little girl and um, they're all on HBO go or max or whatever it's called. There's an entire tab. If you haven't seen them, watch feed the kitty. You got this big ravenous dog and this tiny little kitty contrast yep. that stuff right there with Yosemite Sam and Elmer. I never considered the fact that they're so similar to gun toting, <laughs> right? Like people, and the way that he did that and made that work was he differentiated them right by slowing him down and speeding him up speeding him down slowing yeah. him up yeah and you go god that's so smart and the yeah. difference when you look at chuck jones's work versus all the other directors it's you Very can't good. even really explain how much better he was at his job yeah same resources I know. Right. But you'll watch one. You'd be like, that didn't hold up. Sure enough, Chuck didn't do it. Yeah, and then you watch one. You'd be like, my God, that was tight. And it was Chuck. And he always thought of that kind of stuff. Yeah. He Brilliant. Did. All, all I have to say, though, I think that any Bugs Bunny that had Yosemite Sam was probably directed by Frizz Freeland. Yeah. Uh, so, but because uh, Yosemite Sam was a Frizz Freeling like character. But, like but those, one. but those, but the Frizz Freeling stuff doesn't. And nothing to take not, away from him. The guy, it does, it's, oh, it's not as good as Chuck like, Jones. Nobody is. No, no. He just sets up these gags and he breaks the rules all the time. So yeah. he'll be like, he'll set up a world and all the way halfway through the second act, all of a sudden now he'll like almost pull a, pull a trick that you would see in <clears throat> uh, uh, the Roadrunner. Yeah. So, so like in Roadrunner, there's things like, you know, he always does the opposite. So if he jumps on it and the boulder's supposed to go up and land on the you know roadrunner he jumps on it and the boulder goes straight up and straight down or whatever right. it always does contrast frizz will do that in like a yosemite sam having not set up that world at all and i'll be going oh you know what do you you can't pull that kind of a gag off because you didn't set it up right yeah right chuck doesn't do that no it's amazing again all these little things even from a, a standpoint of a silhouette 
Could you pull out uh, Elmer silhouette versus Yosemite's? You bet yep. you could. Could you yep. pull out Tweety Birds versus Sylvester's? You bet you could. Yep. But that's super smart. The other thing too, I'm thinking about um, uh, clones and clone yeah. characters. And for people who don't know, now the problem here's the problem with uh, the word clones is that people get very literal. Mm. So if I say clones. Because the clones aren't always exactly identical in terms of story. They're not exactly like your, but that's the way clones are. And then people get hung up on it. Um, the problem is when anybody else has talked about it, they have called them reflection characters or mirror characters. And so all the terms are like that. So no one's come up with a term that works. So just understand you're bending the, the definition just a little bit here to make it fit. And so, but basically a clone, clone character is a character you measure your main character against, right? So, um, um, so you notice that Elmer's slow because Bugs Bunny's fast, right? Th those are clones, right? Um, the three little pigs are the best. Uh, the first two pigs are clones. The first two pigs are clones. Right. It's really about the last pig who built the house yeah. of bricks. But you have to see the failure of the first two pigs to understand the success of the last pig. Yeah. Right? So those are or or um, uh, the clone characters in The Wizard of Oz. Right. If the armature, the point of The Wizard of Oz is you may already have what you're looking for, then uh, those other characters already have the things that they're looking for, that they're going to ask the wizard for. So the, the scarecrow is always coming up with plans the, the the tin man is always crying and emotional and and the lion is always brave and they have to do that all the way through um and that's a way of reinforcing um the idea that's how clones are often used so uh people tend to think of it as in a it would be in a simple story that you would have a clone because it seems simple and almost fairy tale like or what oh three little pigs i get it oh wizard of oz but some the one of the best uses of clone characters i've seen um uh is uh in the shawshank redemption in the shawshank redemption you have uh brooks who is the oldest sort of inmate and and in the prison in shawshank prison and brooks finally gets out after years of being in prison and brooks has this uh you know he lives in this little apartment that you know he rents and he has this uh this job at a grocery store where he like bags groceries and he hates it it's awful he hates everything also the world has changed you know like when he went in there were hardly any cars on the street you know like cars in, existed but the, nobody had a car and you know the world was too fast and for him now and everything you know nothing was working for him and so there's this great narration, and I, I don't remember exactly the words, but basically paraphrasing, but basically he says, he gets all dressed up. You see him getting dressed up, putting on a tie and everything. And he says, uh, is he not comfortable here? And he says, I've Yeah, because he wrote the letter to Red. Yeah. And he's reading it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And so it's like, I'm not comfortable here. Um, you know, I've decided to leave. Um I doubt that they'll cook up any fuss for an old man like me. Yep. An old con like me. That's right. Yeah, right. And then he, and then he, uh, carves in a beam. Um, Brooks was here. 
and he hangs himself, commits suicide. Yeah. Right. All the while, Darebon is shooting him through bars. I know it's it's just, so well constructed. It's stupid. Yeah, Darebon is very good. So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so, uh, so that happens. Now, Red. People think that Andy Dufresne's the main character. I would argue that it was Red. Yep. Um, and not Andy. Um, because Red is really the character of change. Yeah, he's the one that changes. Yeah. Right. Andy stays the same. <laughs> right, right. Yep. So um uh anyway, so Red gets out, finally gets out, gets paroled. You see, he's a perfect, he's a clone character because he has he's exactly he goes through exactly the same experience. He's living in the same place, the same apartment that Brooks was in. He has the same job. They both, I think, even ask, can I use the bathroom? Yes. Like, I mean, they're doing match shots. Yeah. That's how, that's how surgical their bond is with this. Yeah. And Red's narration ends up being exactly the same. Mm-hmm. I've decided to leave. I doubt they'll kick up any fuss for, you know, an old con yep. like me or an old man like whatever he says. He carves next to Brooks was here. So was Red. And he leaves he doesn't hang himself well the armature yep. the point of that movie that story is get busy living or get busy dying right the contrast is you see you see brooks get busy dying you see red yeah. get busy busy living those yeah. are your two choices it's so good it's ridiculous it's so good. yeah <laughs> yeah it's ridiculous it is it's it's, really it's life like that you see these shots of uh, uh you know brooks almost getting hit by a car because he's not paying attention to the movies and all of a sudden then you see red like on the bus and he's like i can hardly sit still yeah. you know it's like you got one denying technology of the other one embracing the tech like it's just it's so well done and so well thought out yeah that i think a lot of people though if they saw that on paper would say too similar i you know i yes. you know why are they in the same apartment don't you think it'd be better if maybe we made it more like Here's the classic. Can you take that externalization of what you're doing and make it like an internal thing? Like maybe there's an angst about the new apartment. You're like, no, 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 no. It's a visual medium. What are you talking about? Yeah. You know, uh, shooting through those bars. Don't you think that's a little too on the nose or whatever? And you're like, no, people aren't going to know. It will be invisible ink to your, your yeah. book. Right. But, yeah. but you know what I'm saying? I think, I think that if you saw that a number one, it a hundred percent works. Everybody knows that because there's right. a lot of people listening right now going, I didn't even notice that. Right? right. And even for the people that could notice it, did it bother you? I right. don't know why it would. Right. So I'm just saying, if you saw that on paper, I could see people thinking it was too obvious. Right. Or, or it was, it was too well done, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, he did yeah. the braver thing. Darebont did the braver thing and he went right at it. Well, it's braver to communicate clearly. Yeah. No kidding. Right. Because if you mumble, you can always be like, I didn't mean that. Right. I didn't right. Say that. Yeah, but That's like good. just go go it do it communicate. What are you trying to hide? Right? Yeah. Um another really good example of uh contrast and clone characters is uh Marlon and Dory in Finding Nemo. Yeah. Right. Because Marlon um is fearful, unbelievably fearful. Um, and he's plagued by the memory of his wife's death and the death of his other kids who aren't emo dory 
is happy, go lucky, not scared of anything, um, <laughs> but also has no memory. Yeah. She's not plagued by memory. She can't remember anything. Like that's unbelievable contrast. Yeah. It's so smart. It's really like, smart. Uh, like when you start seeing it, you go like, okay, you want to know why those characters aren't working? Because they're not, there's not enough contrast. Take the guy with the memory that won't, that's haunted by memories and pair him with a person that has no memories. Yeah. Right. It's peanut butter and jelly. I don't know. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think you're right. Most of the time when you, when you tell people to do that, most people reject it. That's so easy. That's too simple. I, I don't know why, but we've been sold a bill of goods about simplicity. Yeah. Um, and it can't be good. It's simple. It has to be complicated. It has to be overly complicated. In fact, it has to be, um, you know, it's almost a puzzle that you have to figure out and you can pat yourself on the back because you figured out this crazy puzzle. Well, if you listen to this, then the guy really meant that. And if you, did you read the book too? And it, did you, and you know, if you play the video game or if you read all the comics, then you get like, I'm just watching this thing right now. Can you just tell me a story, please? You know, it comes And the other thing, this is the thing that drives me crazy about it, actually. Uh, when you talk about how people aren't, I think people aren't communicating because they're like, well, you have to buy, you have to see all of these movies, uh -huh. or, you know, whatever it is. What people don't understand, they think it's cool, but it's just a way to get you to buy more things. It's not yeah. a creative decision. It's a marketing decision not to communicate with you and to go, we hit it over here. We hit it over there. And if you do this and if you get the thing with the special features, you can get that. Like it's, it's all about just selling you more stuff. Mm. And it makes worse stories because- But what they, they don't understand is the, the people that do it simplistically, they will sell so- Okay, how much money did Wizard of Oz make this year? Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. How exactly. much money did ET make this year? Yeah. Right? Pick another pot, go find the most popular family movie from five years ago and benchmark that against whatever the Wizard of Oz and ET. Like, so the the funny thing is they think it's almost like it's like this happens all the time in marketing agencies and stuff like that, where they try to hold, you know, control all your data and your customers and all that because they're like, then they won't be able to leave. You know what would be a better way to do it? Uh, do such a good job that they don't want to leave. Like, yeah. what the hell are you talking about? It's it's easier, like you said, it's so easy to be confusing and to go, well, you know, if you haven't read the the fan fiction version of that <laughs> comic yeah. book or whatever, if you would have known that, you were smart. It's like, no, you're lazy. Right. Like, right? Because imagine, again, all these things benchmark all of these ideas against a conversation you just had with a friend. You're like, I went out to lunch with Brian. The whole time he was talking about something, I had no idea what he was talking about. And then he said, oh, you should buy this book so that you know what I'm talking about. And it's like, I'm not going to do It's like, we're sitting here <laughs> having coffee and he's saying I have to buy a book before I can understand what he's saying. Like, what, <laughs> who does that? It's like, yeah, it's yeah. not a good way to do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, um, but yeah, so contrast, it's this, you know, it's funny. Uh, one of the ways um, when I was young that I sort of learned how to write uh, characters. Um, I, I, I learned it from Stan Lee because, um, you know, in the old days they used to have in, in radio, uh, this seems to have gone away and it's actually, I think, poor writing that it's gone away. And, you know, in radio, they would say, because they only had the voices, they didn't have faces. They didn't have, they only had the voices. 
So the voices were often very distinct. Right. I'm the old man and I talk like this, right? Whatever it is, right? They're very distinct and almost cartoonish because you had to be able to tell one person from another on the radio without any faces. And the other thing is they you should be able to tell who's talking when you read the script without seeing the name of that character because they have their own way of talking. They have their own speech pattern. They have their own vocabulary. They speak differently. Um, and where I first sort of saw that in a way that I could recognize it was uh, the Fantastic Four. So I would read the Fantastic Four and, um, you know, the uh, Mr. Fantastic is the brainiac. He's the smart guy. He's the scientist. And that's the way he talks. Uh, you know, the thing, Ben Grimm is more of a blue collar kind of a character. And that's the way he talks. And they're very different characters. And you could tell who was talking if you didn't, it, just by their voices on the page. They, they don't, there's no sound to their voices, right? But they sound different. Uh, there's a contrast. You got, you know, uh, and in fact, they are a contrast in that one guy's made out of rocks and the other guy's basically made out of rubber can stretch like they are a contrast that way. Um, and, you know, again, one's uh, well-spoken, the other one's not as well-spoken. There are all kinds of contrasts and it really makes those characters work. And in fact, you know, in the original Star Trek, uh, in the pilot, William Shatner's not in the pilot. So um, what what's interesting is Spock's not quite right in the pilot. And one of the things that Leonard Nimoy said is that when Shatner was cast, it allowed him to find Spock because it was mm. a contrast to the way William Shatner was, right? So yeah, like it, it, he could solidify that character better and figuring him out because he had William Shatner to work against. Yeah, uh, that's great. Yeah. So it's like, oh, if he's this guy, then I need to be that guy. Yeah, if he's Bert, then I got to be Ernie. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If he's more emotional and let's just go down to the planet. And then you got a Spock who's like, well, hold on. Logically speaking. Yeah. Right. It makes sense. It just works. Yeah. Now the characters are defined, which means the audience can understand and you can communicate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And what's interesting, too, is that like if characters are really well, like say on a situation comedy or something like Frasier. Yeah. When a character is really well defined. You can get a laugh from an audience just by having that character do something that is so much like them. Uh, yeah. Right. Oh my God. That's exactly what Frazier would do. Right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Columbo's the same way. Right. Yeah. You, you take this guy, this bumbling idiot with the old jacket, his wife got given for free or found or whatever and his old car. And you, what do you do? All the people he goes after is this person's the CEO of this. And this is the biggest conductor in the world. And he, you pair them with, people that think they're way smarter than him and all that. Yeah. And like all of a sudden it's so well-defined. It's like, man, just sit back. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. His characters are defined and he does always contrast the people, right? He's a rumpled guy. Like you say, he got yep. his old raincoat. They're always wealthy people on Columbo that have killed somebody. Um, yep. They're always, you know, wine experts or some yeah. art dealers or, so, writers you know, a lot of there's actually quite a few episodes about writers yeah that's true right? but people of high status yeah really lots of money um uh, movie stars there's one with a movie star right so it's almost like 
there's an argument visually. Hmm. Right? That's there's, interesting. There's a visual yeah. argument, right? Because Columbo doesn't belong in the spaces he finds himself in. Fancy stuff. Yeah. Right? You know, um, like in Where fact, does he do one, his meetings? He's always at the hot dog place. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. He always goes to a cafe and has chili. Always has the chili. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Right? yeah, yeah. How's the chili? You know, um, he's just a regular dude. Um, maybe a little more regular than most people, you know, you know, and, uh, yeah, that comparison creates a kind of that, that conflict is always, um, it's always there in the vision because you're, you're, you have something to compare to look at Um, Mary and Rhoda. Yeah. Yeah. The Mary Tyler Moore show. Yeah. Mary and Rhoda are, are very different characters. Um, and the other character, uh, the woman in that show, Phyllis, is yeah. different still in a yep. different way. Um, and each character helps define the other character. Yeah, that's good. Right. Each character helps define the other character. That's great. You know, you know, so it's like, oh, that person is always loud and blah, blah, blah. And she's always quiet and blah, blah, blah. So and it's the like somebody quiet all by themselves isn't exactly quiet. You know, this is how important contrast is. So we have the saying, right? Um, it's so quiet, you could hear a pin drop. Why is the pin drop important? Why, why not just say it was so quiet? Well, there's nothing to compare it to. Yeah. But if you go, it's so quiet, you could hear a pin drop. You compare the quiet to a noise. Now you have a better picture of how quiet it was. It's like looking for a needle in a haystack. Yeah, right? Um, um there's um that sound designer who was talking about uh a quiet battlefield i've told you this mm-hmm. before yep yeah and so the director wanted the battlefield like it was after the battle and he wanted nothing but quiet he wanted it to be silent and the sound designer had put in a fly was and that kubrick the, was that was might that have been a of glory it yeah. might have been paths of glory it might have been kubrick but the sound designer had put in the sound of a fly and the director said wait i said i wanted it to be silent i wanted it to be quiet and the sound designer's like yes it's so quiet you can hear a fly so smart yeah like that whoever whoever said that and we can we can find that you know how smart that is yeah like it's fantastic what a great way to solve that problem because if it was nothing it wouldn't matter, but man, just hearing that fly. Also, yeah. the fly reinforces death. It's it's just that is such an elegant solution. It's like like I said, when you see people running at the at the top of their game, it's like ballet where you're like everything is effortless and it's all working. That sound designer, because now what people don't understand is now it's just nonstop explosion, so things don't matter. Right. Watch for how a good sound designer rests. Yep. Um, you know, watch just watch out, you know, there'll be like a big explosive scene or whatever, and then watch them as fast as possible. They're going to get to quiet yeah, because they know they got to cleanse the palate. Right. Yeah. And the people that don't know that it's just, you know, whatever, 90 minutes of explosions, nothing matters. Right. And people don't understand is that the loud makes the quiet quiet and the quiet makes the loud louder. Yep. Right. So people, it's a nonstop roller coaster. Well, that's you get burned out on a nonstop roller yeah. coaster. Uh-huh. And and a, and all they can do is try to up it and up it and up it and up it and up it. Right? It becomes sort of a cold war of yep. 
trying to keep your yeah. attention, right? Because, well, you've already seen five explosions, so let's go eight. You've already seen the White House explode, so let's blow up a planet. You know, they keep yeah. upping it, right? Because they, they don't know. It's like, you know what you could do? You could slow down. You could slow down. You could, you could have nothing happen that's big for a while and watch how much. So, you know, people need to rest. Let them rest. Give them a break. Um, they'll appreciate that quiet moment, but you have to trust it. What it is, is it's, um, it's somebody on a date who's afraid their date is going to lose interest. So they keep talking. It smells like <laughs> desperation. It does exactly the opposite of what you want it to do. Right. Oh, that's really good. And so that's survival information right there. <laughs> right. So anyway, and then I moved to Seattle because then, you know, it's like, okay, you know what? <laughs> Never mind. I, let's call it a, you know, I don't think this is going to, you know what I mean? Um, but it, it smells yeah. like desperation. So if somebody is throwing action at you all the time, that's desperation. They don't trust that they can get you with the quiet moments. That yep, that's right. But if you look at some of the best uh, movies that you think of as action, like Raiders of the Lost Ark or Aliens, there's some quiet T2, there's some quiet moments. Yeah. And there's some of the best moments, actually. Um, yeah. Die Hard. Yeah. You know, um, there's that scene in Die Hard where uh, Bruce Willis has uh, glass in his feet and he's in the in a bathroom and he's picking the glass out of his feet and he's talking to that cop on the ground. Yep, that's right. Yep. And he's like, uh, you know, uh, I must have told my wife this. I, I never told yeah. her I was sorry. And, you know, all that stuff yeah. that quiet, uh -huh. that makes the whole movie work. Those scenes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's like, what took you out of the game? You flat footed. And he was like, no, I, sh I shot a kid. Yeah. Right. And they're having this whole conversation while he's pulling glass out of his feet. It's so well done. It's stupid. Yeah. yeah. But it's not, you know, it doesn't have to be action all the time. Um, and actually, one of my very favorite things in that movie, I think it's a lot of people's favorite thing in that movie, is when um, Alan Rickman uh, runs into Bruce Willis. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, it's so good. Ah, oh, oh, me, oh, no, oh, no. You're one of them. You're one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't give me, don't give me. That is so yeah. great. And it's not the action, you know? Yeah. The action comes. It's coming. Don't worry. Um, but it's those quiet people don't understand how much that they respond to the quiet moments because yeah. often in their memory, it's the big things. Like after I hadn't seen aliens for a while, I remember this was several years ago. So I I'm going to watch aliens. It's been a while. And I forgot just how much quiet time there is in aliens. There's a yeah. lot of quiet time, uh -huh. a lot, like a lot more than you remember. Like yeah. you watch it just to see how much quiet time there is. There's a, there's plenty of it. Oh, sure. And it makes the action work better. Oh, dude, it's that scene in Jaws where, where Brody's talking to his having breakfast. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, you mean it's at the, yeah, oh, with at the, the, the dinner table. Yeah, 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 when you have the dinner There's table. There's these little things that, like, it makes it matter. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That scene, I haven't seen a scene like that for a long time. If you don't know the scene yeah. we're talking about, there's a scene in Jaws where the sheriff is just it's this silent scene where his son and he are sort of imitating each other um and it's a bond between it's a really sweet scene um and the mom is kind of looking at it and it's a very very sweet scene most people don't take the time 
to do that. It humanized everything. It grounded everything. Um, it made getting this shark matter in a different way. Um, yeah. Like, oh, I've got to protect my family. I've got to, this, you know, I've got a thing to do here. There's just God. something really amazing about it. And I can't tell you the last time I saw something like that in an action movie, um, in quotes. Yeah. Um, you know, there's that scene in Jojo Rabbit where they're uh, by the stairs uh-huh. and the way they position the shot, his head is here and the shoes are next to him. Oh, which become right. important later on. Yeah. And they're just having this conversation between him and his mom. Yeah. It's a quiet scene. Yeah. But it's setting up every, like it's, it's very elegant. It's an yeah. elegant way to do it. Yeah. And that, again, those the quiet moments make the action better. That contrast changes how you view the action or the excitement or the suspense or whatever. You Okay, let's, let's take this out of, out of story and put it back to real life. Okay. Um, because, again, everything that you always are talking about can be observed in nature. I remember Heather, one of our partners, right? She said... Uh, She's like, when, when quarantine first hit, she's like, oh, God, Jesse, you're going to love this. You're going to be up in your office, surrounded by your books. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to just be able to read and whatever. And it was great for about a month. <laughs> and I was like, well, hold on a second. How many people listening right now took those times where you can go grab a beer with a friend for granted? And now you can see that because of the contrast of silence that we've been in. Right. How, how many people, right? Like I, the feeling, and it's one of those things. It's like that episode of Mary where the heart attack, oh, right? right. Right. Where it's like, how many of us, because of the contrast of not being able to hug your grandma or see your nephews and nieces or your friends, when's the last time you and I haven't been in the same? I mean, like, when's the last time when you can even watch a movie? Yeah. Right. It's like the contrast is what's going to make it so awesome. I don't even know what the hell to watch. Right. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. You know what I'm no, saying? The contrast and so it's just, too. again, it works in real life in the same way. That's why it works in stories. That's the thing that people don't understand. Right. Stories work the way they work because life works that way too. That's right. All the principles are based on life, <laughs> you yes. know, and you don't think we use uh, uh, comparisons and clone characters and contrast in life, please. Oh, it's you don't it's notice crazy. when somebody has a nicer car than you. Oh or yeah. Education. It, oh or, yeah. The marketing term is selling by association. The t- amount of times people are like, well, you got to understand. I mean, you know, they work at Google. So, I mean, that's saying so it's like, it's like you're constantly doing that. Well, you know, he does drive a BMW. Can't be doing all things wrong or whatever. It's like, we, we use all these different characters, right? Um, mm-hmm. Or, you know, your grandpa used to do that and he wasn't a good guy and you don't want to end up like him. He's a right. clone yeah. character. You know, grandpa would, you know, he, when he was, it's fun to, you know, imagine this is a hypothetical. My grandpa's a good guy, but imagine all of a sudden you're doing something and you're going through a rough patch and your mom says, you know, watching the way you're handling this and your family is so encouraging because the way my dad would have handled it is he would have gone out drinking and that's what led to this downfall. And all of a sudden she's building contrast in, and you're like the contrast of grandpa being an alcoholic helps you see right. Right. Where you're at. Or often it, uh, you might say, Oh my, my parent was this way. Hmm. That's exactly who I don't want to be. That's right. 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 Yep. And so you contract, you're constantly contrasting. You go, okay, what would my dad have done? Okay. That's not, I'm going to do the opposite of what that guy would have done. If that's the way, you know, or you, or you might fall short. You might think that your dad was a great, he never would have done this, you know? And yep, that's right. You know, I, I've fallen short. Like if you have a, a role model and you feel like you're falling short, right? Like you're comparing. 
Um, yeah. So there, there, that contrast, that's just built into us. We're just, we just do that. Yep. This is bigger than that. The house is bigger than mine. R two D two is looks different than C three PO. Yeah, all of that stuff's important. Yeah, so you know uh, we we'll, we'll that's just what we do. You know, it's funny when you when you meet somebody at a certain age. Let's say you meet them in their seventies. Well, that's who they are, right? <laughs> right. But if you knew them from the time they were thirty, right? Yeah. You <laughs> right. You're going, man. He's really aged, right? Because you have yeah. a comparison, right? That's right, right. right? Um, or wow, he's hardly aged, whatever it is. But it's the contrast that helps you see the age or whatever. Um, so it's just something we do. We just, it's just what we do. Um, yep. And so you can utilize it and use it in stories. How many people would understand that there's a link in construction between the three little pigs and the Shawshank Redemption? Mm, yeah. Right. But you understand the success of the last pig because of the failure of the first two. And you understand the success of Morgan Freeman's character of Red because of the failure of Brooks. You have to see that. If you don't see that, how could they know what success looks like? It's okay. Let's take it to commercials. That's why I'm a Mac. I'm a PC. Contrast. Like it's like once you start under, once you start see again, step one is you have to understand the concept. Step two is you got to learn how to see it. Step three, then you can start to actually master it and and figure out how to apply it. But like, once you start to see this, you're like, oh, crazy. That's why that image works. Oh, crazy. That's why that it's easy to identify those cartoon characters. Oh, funny. Mice of Men. My God. I told you I reread Mice of Men when I was reading it. Isn't it? I I just don't even know what it is so perfectly structured. It (laughs) almost makes you sick. It's 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 somebody walks into like, I don't know, some giant basketball arena, turns around, throws a ball behind them and swooshes it. It's like the, what Steinbeck does, it is so precise it's and, and beautiful. Precise. I yes. read it in middle school and I had no idea what I was looking at. No, yeah, I'm reading it now. And I just, it's funny. Whenever I see this stuff, if I'm with Kate or somebody, all you hear is me go, I just keep going, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh my God. I just, I'll just put my head down. I'll be like, how did he think of that? That is so awesome. What you know, what, and what he does with contrast and clone characters, and oh, in that it's book, crazy. I tell people all the time, you want to learn about story structure, just read of mice and men over and over again because all the lessons are in there. Um, I mean, just read the it. first two pages, yeah. yeah. If you just read the first two pages, yeah. and then ask yourself, could you understand the context of where they're at without him setting up the hills and stuff? What does it tell you? So, like, in I think it's by the p- first page and a half, all of a sudden it says, There's two men walking down a path. A smaller one walks in front. The larger one walks behind, even though there's space for them to walk next to each other. Like he's setting all this stuff up. Yeah. Right. And you're sitting there going, oh, my God, because it all comes back and it all pays off and yada, yada. But, man, you want to talk. And that book is this. I know. Oh, it's so precise. It's a it is a it. If you know how to see how good that book is, it kind of it blows your mind. Yes. It blows your mind because it is, it is such a masterclass in structure. Um, it knows exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, you know that he does a really good job with. Um, there's a couple of things where he uses clone characters and and contrast and. Um, there's um, you know everybody nobody knows why so I, I hope people know of mice and men, but the two 
characters, the main characters are the main characters really, I think, George. But the two main characters are George and Lenny, and they are sort of migrant, sort of farm workers, ranch workers uh, during the Depression. And um, George is some guy, and Lenny yes. has diminished IQ. And what's interesting is people ask George why he's hanging out with Lenny. Like, why do you guys hang out? Right? They go everywhere together. They're like pals. Why do you guys hang out? And what's interesting is there's a scene in the bunkhouse. And there's an old man there. And he has a, he has a dog. And the dog is old. And they're complaining that the dog stinks. You know, he's half blind. He's old. And they're like, why do you even have this dog? It's like, Curly, why do you even have this dog? He's like, well, I've had him since he was a pup and blah, blah, blah. It's like, hey, he's no good to, he's not good to himself. He's not good for anything. Just, you know, why don't you take him out and shoot him? It's like, well, I couldn't do that. I've had him too long. He's well, you, you know, he's just, it's not going to do it. He goes, I'll tell you what, I'll shoot him for you. I'll shoot him for you, the guy says. He goes, I'll, I'll take it out and I'll shoot him for you. He's like, you know, and, uh, you know, Slim's uh, just had, the dog's had some pups. You can have one of those pups, you know. And uh, they talk him into it. And uh, so they, they shoot his dog. And then you get to the point in the piece where um, uh, Lenny invites Curly to come with them because they're going to get a farm, their own farm. There's, they have this dream yeah. of their own farm and that uh, Lenny can take care of the rabbits. That's his big thing. Like, oh, I can have rabbits and I can take care of them. Which is set up in the first page, by the way. Yes, it is. First page, they set up rabbits. Yeah unbelievable i know i know and um and and the old man at one point he says he just stops and he says you know what i shouldn't have let them shoot my dog i should have done that myself mm-hmm. what's great about that is that that relationship is a clone relationship right because what 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 george and lenny are are friends that's the value the companionship is the value. It doesn't matter that this guy's not as uh, as intelligent or whatever. It doesn't matter. I like this guy. We are friends. That's enough. That yeah. dog is no good. No, he is. He's my companion. That's what makes him valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and Curly fact, loved him. It's like, yes, you don't have to. Yeah. There's a great scene where George goes off to town with all the men and Lenny is left behind and he's wandering around and he wanders into this back bunkhouse and there's a guy out there by himself and Lenny doesn't understand. It's like, why are you out here? And the guy, he's a black guy. And he goes, uh, this is the thirties. He goes, why are you out here? He goes, because I'm black. Like I can't, you know, be in the, well, Lenny doesn't understand it. It doesn't make any sense to Lenny. He didn't understand yeah. it. And so it's a great conversation they have because first the guy's like, get out of here. You're not supposed to be in here. But Lenny doesn't quite understand that. And he's like, you know, George says I can have rabbits and whatever. And what's great is um, he's just going off about rabbits, Lenny. And at one point the black guy just invites, sit down, just might as well sit down. So he sits down and they're hanging out and, and they don't have a dialogue. They have sort of monologues at each other. Yeah. And what the black guy says is, you know what? It doesn't matter. Essentially, I'm paraphrasing. It doesn't matter if we understand each other or we're talking to each other. What matters is that there's somebody here because he's always by himself. What matters is there's somebody here. And 
that whole piece is about that. The whole piece is about having that kind of companion, having somebody around that loves you and that you love like that. Having companionship matters. So you have the clone, you have the comparison, you have the guy who doesn't have anybody, right? George and Lenny have each other, right? And at the end of that story, um, because Lenny accidentally killed this woman, there's a lynch mob out to get Lenny. What does George do? George doesn't let, let the lynch mob get him. George shoots him himself. Like the old man said, it's so good. It's it, it. It's hard to not get emotional just thinking about it. That's how good it is. Yeah. You talk about putting something in the world that will last for a very long time. Yeah. If you went and told Steinbeck, there's no such thing as structure. What do you think he would say? <laughs> you can't do that. You can't yeah. do that. What you're looking at is craft. Yeah. What you're seeing at the highest possible level is craft. And he, by the way, he did it in half the amount of space that most people need to write a book. Yep. Yeah. It's elegance. When, when Going back to the very beginning, right? Yep. Of like, when you can crystallize something and say like, contrast is how we see. Do you know how hard it is to do that? It's yep. fantastic. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. You know, she dunked it. She's like, all right, well, here's, the, here's what you have to say. Contrast is how you see. Now I'm going to prove it. Yep. And then once you start seeing it, you start going, that's what was wrong with that pitch. I didn't build enough contrast. Yeah. You know, when you first started working with our agency, blah, blah, blah. Now, here's what you're saying. You was like this. It was like this. A lot of people, they cut out the first act of a pitch or something. Right. Right. And by doing that, you're actually cutting out the contrast. Right. It's a huge mistake. Like, yeah. I mean, we'll literally in a pitch, we'll sit there and go like, when we first started working together, you had this many followers and you were doing this. And so these kind of results and whatever. And then we made these changes. Curtain, right? Like, let me show you what happened. Engagement went up, blah, 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 all this stuff. And then we've literally had conversations where people are like, well, do we really need all this stuff? Don't you feel bad to kind of set up the before and after? It's like, no, they, it, it, without that, they can't see right. the difference. <laughs> right. Right. And so this isn't, it's not just for story, it's for your presentation. Somebody out there's got to do a, a pitch tomorrow. Think about contrast. Somebody out there is writing a script. Think about contrast. You got to do a speech. Think about contrast. Yeah. What was the company like before? What was it like to, before you went to this school versus this school? I don't know, whatever the thing is. Yeah. Right. What was pizza like before you tasted Brian's pizza and they blew your mind? I don't know. It's like, yeah. think about contrast because if you build that in, it will help people to see your point. Yep. Right. Yep. There you go. All right. Contrast. It seems simple, but it is one of those, those very simple things that once you see it and start to leverage it, it will immediately help your work stand out. That's exactly right. Awesome. Thanks, Brian. Yeah. Thanks, Jesse. Thanks for watching You Are a Storyteller, part of the CoLoop Podcast Network. If you have any questions or if there's a topic you'd like us to cover, leave a comment below or email us at hello at beliefagency.com.